Welcome to episode one of Coffee and Co-Read, your source for all things literary, with Kristen and Catherine, where we believe there's nothing better than a hot coffee and an awesome book. Join us for our virtual book club, where we take one book a month and dive into all the drama, adventure, and romance we can find. So, hi, Catherine. Welcome to episode one. Hey, Kristen. So I guess we should just give uh, a little background about ourselves, guys. Thanks for tuning in and listening. So Catherine and I met uh, 15 years ago uh, working at a coffee shop together. I was just fresh into university, and I guess you were just finishing high school? Yeah, basically. Not to give away our ages or anything. (laughs) (laughs) But we bonded over our love of coffee, which... Like, I still run on to this day. And books. For me, reading has just been something that I've always done. Like, as long as I can remember, I've been a reader. So, like, I remember being little and, like, mom and dad telling me at the supper table to put my book away, to stop reading and eat. I liked it so much that I did an entire English degree about it just so that I could read and, like, pick apart literature just because it was something I liked to do. So, meeting you was awesome. Because I finally found someone who loved books as much as I did. And the same type of books too. Like not even just books, but like we had the same taste in books. And it was just great to have someone to talk to about everything. And like somebody who wanted to sit through the Harry Potter movie marathon. And we literally drank an entire carafe, like 30 cup pot of coffee to keep us awake and going to see the twilight movies in the theaters and we kept running downstairs to fill up our coffees in between movies where we were it's nice to have somebody that you could talk to about all the things you were thinking who had then the same like who could respond in kind yeah for sure I know you introduced me to so many series that I read um, and normally it was through a terrible movie adaptation <laughs> Um, I think one of the first ones was probably The Hunger Games. That one wasn't as terrible. The movie I actually really liked. But I we went to see the movie in theaters, and then immediately afterwards I ran downstairs and bought the trilogy because I fell in love. Mm-hmm. Um, City of Bones, the movie was not as good, but no. I, hadn't, I hadn't read the book yet, so I didn't realize that. And then I read all the books. And I fell in love with that too. Vampire Academy. I mean, I kind of loved it. I still watch it as a guilty pleasure. Like that Rose and Dimitri, they both have my heart. But the books are obviously 100% better. And I probably would have probably would hated it if I had read the books first. I don't know. Maybe. I think we're all too hard on adaptations as a whole. But that's another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I remember you sent me throne of glass in an email and it was all caps to read it immediately (laughs) I still have that email and it's aggressive to say the least (laughs) so I really have you to thank for a lot of the fandoms that I'm still into to this day oh thanks it is a give and take though (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) you send me just as many things and literally all of our gifts are here's books here's books we just give each other books. Yeah, I read something and I'm like, holy shit, have you read this book? Like, So the first book, guys, that we're going to be talking about is uh, Discovery of Witches. 
I sort of, I don't even remember what I discovered first. I feel like I discovered the the TV show and the book at the same time. And like, I saw a commercial for the TV show coming out and I was like, that looks good. And then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, it's a book. I'll read the book. And I read the book and then watched the show at the same time. So it was, it was nice to like sort of read them together almost. Yeah. And yeah. I don't really remember if I finished the book before I started the series or what happened. I kind of feel like, was this one that we watched together during quarantine? <laughs> yeah, it was one yes. of the ones. Yeah, it was one of the ones we watched during quarantine. Yeah, so we kind of just watched it over Discord, I think it was, where you played it for me and I watched. I don't think I read the first book until after we had watched at least a few episodes yeah um I think that's how it happened but yeah so I really got into a discovery of witches um then mm-hmm. maybe partly because of quarantine but <laughs> also because it was something to do with somebody other than just quarantining with my cat all the time so yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah so guys we are um going to be doing a deep dive into discovery of witches uh just a heads up we are not a spoiler free zone we are going to be talking the nitty-gritty of the book and going through it and talking about what we liked what we didn't like just know it's all love we love all the books that we're going to be talking about we might critique them a little bit sometimes or you know talk about an aspect that we didn't like but on the whole we love all the books that we're discussing so it's all love but yeah so please yeah, things are not spoiler-free, and they could get saucy. The book we'll be starting this week is A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness. Deborah Harkness is a professor of history at the university in Southern California. She has received Fulbright, Guggenheim, and National Humanities Center fellowships. She has many scholarly works and also writes an award-winning wine blog. My kind of girl. Right? Loves the wine. Um, So we're doing A Discovery of Witches, which is the first book in the All Souls trilogy, which is actually no longer a trilogy. Uh, So we've got Discovery of Witches first, uh, Shadow of Night, and The Book of Life, which are all about Diana and Matthew, our two main characters. Uh, She's also got a fourth book out focusing on uh, Marcus and Phoebe, who we will meet later. And she is currently working on a fifth and sixth book to add to that. We don't know what they are yet. Uh, So both of us have read the trilogy before. I have read it and seen uh, seasons one and two of the show so far. Same with me. We haven't watched the third one yet because we haven't been able to get together and watch it because of COVID and life. (laughs) And I, I don't know about you. I just prefer to binge it. So I'd rather wait to yeah. it all out and then binge it all at once so I don't have to wait for exactly. to come out. Right? Yeah. Uh, so we've split the book into four parts to cover the whole month. And today we're going to be tackling part one, which is chapters one to 11 inclusive. So we go from chapter one all the way through chapter 11 and we stop right before chapter 12. So... We're just going to dive right in. Um, the very opening page, uh, it's like sort of almost looks like a dedication page, right? And it says, it begins with absence and desire. It begins with blood and fear. It begins with a discovery of witches. I 
<laughs> don't know about you, but I, it, to me, this line is never explained. It no. never manifests and fully makes sense. I it just, it sort of confused me. I really like the book. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But it doesn't have anything to do with anything. <laughs> if, well, I guess maybe we're missing something in the alchemy part, which we'll get to later because there's a lot of alchemy parts in this. But yeah, it. I feel like it doesn't really get into what that means. Like normally the, the name of the book has something to do with yeah, and normally that the little quote at the beginning, that little like almost dedication line, usually you you figure it out later on. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I just feel like this one never really does. It's quite abstract. Yeah. Also, the a discovery of witches makes it seem like they're going to discover some witches, which they don't really like. No. She's always been a witch. And she's always known that she's been a witch. Yeah, so it's a bit of a weird title, and that first page is also a bit... Yeah. It's different. Unless, <laughs> yeah, unless the only thing I can think of is, like, it's a discovery of witches, like, a discovery to the audience reading. So, uh, we start off the book with our, our main character, Diana. Uh, she is sitting in the library with a book, and really in the first few pages... Uh, we, they, you know, it's told that she's a witch. Like, it's just sort of dropped in there. Like, yeah, she's a witch. It's no big deal. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice way to do it because normally it's like a secret or like it. They wait a while, but I do like how they kind of just throw that in right away, so you're not wondering what's going on. Yeah, and yeah, she's just working. I really actually enjoy her her work ethic at the beginning like she's in university she's this accomplished professor like she's at oxford studying and she's trying to be a professor there like i just i like her whole her success i guess yeah she's doing well for herself yes she is she's she doing is. well for herself and like you know she's just there doing her business She's got, like, a little thing going, it seems, like a little flirtiness with the desk attendant who gets all of her books for her. Just, like, they've got a thing. They've got some flirty eyes, and it they really do. seems to help her because she gets extra manuscripts when she shouldn't, so. Yeah. It's cute. I, I like him. He's He comes up a few times, obviously, because she's in the library a few times, but he seems cute. I'd... I'd go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sean is his name. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he does show up quite a bit, but like, you know, as soon as obviously we spoke that Diana and Matthew are a main couple, Sean is obviously not involved yeah. in that. So, you know, when Matthew shows up, Sean sort of falls by the wayside. Yeah, I think that he's always been, and I hate this term, but I'm going to use it, but I feel like he's always been in the friend zone. Mm. Like, I feel like she's never, but I, he definitely had has and had a crush on her. Like, you can tell. But I do think that she friend zoned him, even though. I also, it also would not be a surprise to me if she was just completely oblivious on purpose. 
because mm. she she seems like that type of character where she just gets absorbed in her books and her manuscripts and her work and her research and whatever it is she's doing she's so absorbed in it that she literally cannot notice when a dude like is giving her the eye yeah until it's somebody who's like super obvious (laughs) (laughs) which we'll see (laughs) um so yeah so we've got our main character sitting in the library we are she is i say we as if we were all there we were not we were were. (laughs) (laughs) oh god wouldn't it be nice uh but no so uh we have the approach of uh a character jillian who is not she's just not likable in the book and we are going to make references to the show can't help it when there's a book and a show you just naturally compare them don't hate us um (laughs) or do you know (laughs) yeah or do it doesn't really matter so jillian in the show i find it's so much easier to not like her because she's not super likable but it's easy to not hate her in the it's easier to empathize with her in the show i think yes and like feel sorry for her Mm mm-hmm like she's just trying to like seems like she's just trying to make a friend and just trying to fit in and whatever yeah the book jillian is not nice no she's too much she is too much so she comes up to diana and asks her to uh join the local coven and meet up with some of the some of the other local witches um diana sort of is like putting making excuses uh and jillian's just not like what does she do she like gives her a stare down after and like she's just not nice no, and it's clearly a conversation that they've had a bunch of times. And it's like, maybe just drop it for a bit. <laughs> Be easy to just not talk about that for once. But right? I guess yeah. there's a holiday coming up. So a witch's holiday. So they're all like getting together for that. But I feel like Jillian's, even at this point, I feel like she's just a pawn for other people. And she's trying to ensnare Diana because of who she is and it would be a big get for any coven kind of thing yeah yeah you're right so uh jilly or diana sorry comes from uh this sort of influential uh witch family her last name is bishop uh they're known as being a powerful family so sort of everybody knows who her family is they don't necessarily know who she is Mm -hmm. but the bishop witches are sort of a well-known family so yeah yeah, i do see what you're saying there yeah um we also find out what her field of study is which is the weirdest field of study on the face of the planet i'm sorry if anybody (laughs) is in this but it's the history of science and alchemy so how alchemy which is like the study of combining metals to make like the philosopher's stone or something and <laughs> turning how that became modern, modern science. Day. Yeah. Alchemy by definition is like was science of the time, but yeah. yeah, it's, it's very, like you said, it's very niche. Yeah. It's just, it's just so weird. And they do actually go into a lot of the detail on the science of it. And 
it's just it sort of almost takes you out of the the book sometimes well yeah you can definitely tell that the author is a historian because of the details that she goes into with like references to people and references to like passages later on and stuff and i'm like i have no idea what she's talking about i'm just gonna go to the next page to read about this relationship between two people because that's why i'm here <laughs> yeah 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 no that is a good point like she is obviously she did a lot of uh research which wanted to put her research into a practical not practical a fiction novel instead of because she's obviously written a whole bunch of scholarly stuff so she's trying to put something into a fictional world of types yeah something more entertaining i guess yeah um so yeah so like we said her family is quite prolific amongst witches so we learn about her parents um rebecca bishop and stephen proctor and they're both witches well witch and wizard but they do call wizards witches but they never call witches wizards. It's like a rectangle square thing. But they, both of her parents are witches. Yes. Um, which doesn't seem to be super common based on what most people were saying. Or like her mother is obviously a bishop. She was super powerful and her father was also powerful. So I guess that part is even more uncommon to have two powerful witches together. Right. I just I just found that and maybe this is just because you know, I've done so much reading, mm-hmm. but I just found them I just found that the author literally took like every single sort of scholarly trope and shoved it into this married couple. Yeah. Like she spoke her mind, she was so bold, and he was formal and old-fashioned and was wore elbow patches and they were both so smart that they got into Harvard and they both didn't have any money trouble because they could both pay for Harvard mm-hmm. and they both happened to be witches and they met at Harvard and they fell in love and it was just such a like typical tropey story I'm here for it but like I also I find it a running theme yeah. in this book it's like 100% every- Every single trope you can find in literature is in this book. It's like Mm -hmm. they're all jam-packed in there. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I'm sure that if we read a separate book about the story about her parents, I'd be, like, so here for it, rooting (laughs) for them. I'd be so happy for them. But, like, just hearing it in a few paragraphs, you're like, this is too meet-cute. Yes, it's, like, too perfect. Yeah. And, Which like, again, we hear they, later on that they have issues. Yeah. But. And, like, she was so young, obviously, when she last saw them that obviously she's going to evangelize them anyway. Yes. So good point. Yeah. It's, it's all her, I guess, what she remembers of them, really. Mm-hmm. Um. So we mentioned that her family is like a prolific witch family, the bishops. So in the book, she is a descendant of Bridget Bishop, who was executed in Salem. 
Yeah. It's like the first witch executed in Salem or something. Yeah. So I went down a bit of a rabbit hole just to look <laughs> into it because that's what you do. Because she's a historian. So I was like, what is the story with this Bridget Bishop? So she was the first person executed uh, for witchcraft during the Salem trials. And it was in 1692. Okay. So something we, I don't, we sort of passed up, passed along is that the most of the book, at least this part of the book takes place in Mm -hmm. England. Yes. Yeah. She's in school. Like Diane is in school in England, but she grew up in the U S. I think she might kind of get into how she was running away from magic and she kind of ran away from home to get away from it all. Um, right. Yeah. But yeah, so Bridget Bishop um, is apparently often confused with Sarah Bishop, which I thought was kind of a cool uh, just nod because you'll hear later Sarah Bishop is Diana's aunt. So it was kind of cool that they talked about that. Um, and I think that's probably why the author named her Sarah. Bridget Bishop wasn't even born a bishop, which is interesting. She was married at least three times, and her last marriage was to an Edward Bishop, um, who actually threw her under the bus figuratively and claimed that she praises the devil. So, oh, what a lovely man! And then she has his name. So, I'm not sure how much of real history the author is really putting into this because it kind of sounds like the female line of witches the that's the name that goes down like diana's name is diana bishop it's not diana proctor so i kind of feel like using bridget bishop they're kind of using an alternate reality maybe where her name was actually bridget bishop that's my guess i don't really know but yeah definitely interesting um yeah so that's what i learned on bridget bishop (laughs) you really went down rabbit hole i sure did (laughs) so yeah so we then learn that uh you know after we learn about her parents she gives us a little aside in her brain we learn that of course diana has a lovely uh photogenic memory is what she says that that's why she's been so successful with her schooling with her education she was a really young uh like she made professor she made like in tenure and tenure really fast and like published books and scholarly papers and such yeah yeah so apparently she has a photogenic memory but you had a good point yeah i wondered if this was magic too because it seems like obviously later on we get into the fact that she's using a lot more magic than she says that she does so i kind of wonder if her photogenic memory is actually just her recalling things using magic yeah that's a good point because as we will learn that she is very against magic usage in general. She doesn't want to use it. She doesn't want to be involved in it. She doesn't mm-hmm. want to be associated with it. She just wants to cut that out and not, she doesn't like the fact that she's a witch. Yeah. She, Which I found like, I guess we'll get into this now because I found it really hard to relate to her at this point because i'm like 
I can't imagine having magic and being so against using it that like you wouldn't just do all the little things that are so easy to do with magic. Like she talks about how her mother did the dishes and stuff. Like I'd a hundred percent use my magic for the little things if I could. Yeah, I agree. Like if I could do the dishes with magic, yes, I would. <laughs> oh my God. Imagine how often are you cleaning your kitchen every day? <laughs> so if you could just magic that, it would be so much easier. Yeah. But like, yeah, she doesn't, she is sort of of the opposite feeling is she wants to feel like she earned something. So she doesn't want to use magic. Which I, I can respect that and I get it. She doesn't want to use it in her work, which I I get what she's saying. But for the things that aren't part of her work, I would 100% not do that. But I do think that part of the issue that she has with magic is probably the fear and trauma from um, her parents dying. Yeah, 100%. So we do learn that her parents died. It's like, what, eight, 15 to 20 years ago in the book? Like, they died when she was quite young. Yeah. Yeah. I think she was seven, but I also don't remember how old she is right now. So maybe mid 20s. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. So I guess moving on. So I guess part of it, her issue with the magic is it's sort of just part of the reason you know she's the child of two really powerful witches so it's one of my favorite things that she actually talks about is when she was a teenager and you know then into uh post-secondary school she originally wanted to be an actress so she was like going on stage and she was really good but then she started embodying her characters so like what she said once she was Rapunzel and ended up having like a love affair with the guy who played the other romantic lead and like her hair grew really really long because her magic was just coming out yeah she started embodying the characters yeah and this like a lot of demons were attracted to her and then obviously the humans that were caught in between it always ended messy it seemed like so yeah, I really loved that part too. I thought it was really interesting and it kind of shows, I guess, an early glimpse of how magic is kind of like oozing out of her and in her life, even though she's really trying not to let it be. It's always a part of her life, it seems like. Yeah. So she's still in the library at this point and then she goes to get this um, this book, right? And this is sort of where all the problems start. So she's in the library doing research for some sort of talk that she has to do. And she goes and gets this book from the call desk or whatever and brings from it back stacks. to the station. Yeah. yeah. I love looking through the stacks at universities. Yes. <laughs> it's super fun. Um, but she goes to get the stacks or she goes to get her books from the call desk and mm -hmm. this manuscript ashmole 782 is like she says she can feel something from it yeah right? so she says that like i think when she describes it first she can hear a whispering and she smells that it smells a bit weird and like there's all these different sensory things that she gets from it and she knows that there's something magical about it 
because when she hears the voice, she's like talking to Sean and she's like, did you hear that? And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So she can tell early on that there's something magic about it, but she still doesn't want to use magic. So she's kind of in a conundrum of like, what do I do now? Do I look at the book because it does have something to do with what I'm studying or am I supposed to just ignore it because it has magic on it? So, yeah. So, no, I totally agree. It's like, if it were me, I would totally want to open the book and read it. Yeah, I would. I would have kept the book. I would have taken the book. I would have put my hands all over the book. (laughs) So, yeah, no, I agree with you. I would totally also like have my hands all over the book. I would want to open it immediately, see what it says, see what it's in. I would totally keep it. I would be all over it. But her being so against anything magic Mm -hmm. is like she just ignores it. She just pushes it to the side. And, you know, it's just, of course she's ignoring it. I feel like it's like your typical, uh, you know, I don't like it. So I'm just going to pretend it doesn't exist sort of scenario. Yeah. And like part of it, I think is a bit of a literary device of if she didn't ignore it and it didn't go back, then the rest of the story couldn't happen. So (laughs) they need to make a good enough reason for her to put it back without keeping it. Right. Um, so we end there and then we sort of get more into the, I guess, the world a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they talk about how there's witches and mention that, like, when a witch is looking at her, she sort of feels like a tingle, right? She yeah. can sense when another witch is looking at her. And then she also starts realizing that there are other creatures around and that's mm-hmm. what they call all the different species put together creatures yeah and she mentions um vampires are one of the other mm-hmm. uh, creatures, creatures. their eyes are super cold like it's like a cold feeling on her when they look at her and demon eyes feel like a kiss which, Which is, I don't understand. True. I don't, I don't, like, I was reading it again, and I was just, like, trying to imagine what it would feel like. Like. like <laughs> I wonder if it's sort of like a soft pressure, because really that's mm, what a kiss is, right? Yeah, but maybe. Like, maybe it's, like, more intimate than that. I, I don't just, know. like. A kiss on your shoulder. I don't know. I guess, yeah, soft pressure. But then what's different in a soft pressure than a tingle of a witch? It's. <laughs> I get that she's trying to make them sound different, but the. I, I guess I just can't really imagine what a kiss would feel like from a look. Yeah, no, I get it. But I, I do get that, like, she does say that it's unsettling. And I'm like, yeah, I can get why that would feel unsettling if it's feeling like someone's kissing you. Yeah. There's no one near you. (laughs) So I'm like, anytime that she's with somebody and they like kiss her neck, is she like, is that 
someone making out with me or is there a demon behind me? Because. <laughs> yeah. I also really, I sort of appreciate her bringing this up because it sort of is useful then down the road for like the rest of the series and for everything is she can immediately tell yeah. when everything is ha like who she's around. Yeah. So it's super helpful. So I really appreciate that she brought this up. It's different. So it is. And I was kind of wondering, is that something that every witch can feel the different looks? Or is that just something that she does? Because when she tells Matthew about it, he has no idea what she's talking about. And I feel like he's been around for long enough that if every witch had those same feelings, he would have heard about it. Yeah, I think it is mentioned later on in the book that it's sort of another way that she is using magic without mm -hmm. knowing she's using magic. Yeah. So, but still, still interesting. Yeah. So, back to we demons. have back to yeah the demons and vampires. So we have our vampires, which is sort of like your okay, of course they're vampires. They're immortal. Mm -hmm. They survive on blood. You know your typical like scenario. And then we have demons. And I don't know why, but I sort of find the demons sort of lame in this. Like, mm -hmm. just coming yeah. from, you know, like, Supernatural and, <laughs> like, literally every other series that involves demons. They're like these, like, sometimes they're half human. Sometimes yeah. they're all powerful. But, like, they usually have a really significant amount of power. The mm -hmm. demons in this book literally are just creative geniuses. They have they're like idea. barely a step up from a human. Like yeah. it doesn't really, they can't do much. No, they just, they're really creative. So they tend to be, have high IQs. They tend to be really artistically talented. So they tend mm -hmm. to end up being like famous painters or really rich investors because they're great with that sort of thing. Yeah, whatever they put their mind on as their thing, they're kind of, yeah. So it's definitely an interesting take on it. Mm -hmm. It just like, it just, it, you know, just doesn't dive deep into it. Yeah. And like you were saying, I just, I don't really know why they name them demons because they're not, and not that all demons are evil, but generally <laughs> demons are from hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a weird name, I guess. I don't know what else you'd really name them to want a third creature species, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, they do naturally go with the vampires and the witches. Mm -hmm. I can see that. But, like, they're just not at all demonic in our, in our normal sort of everyday what we would view them to be. Yeah. And the ones we meet in this book, especially in the beginning, are, like, super chill. Yeah. <laughs> nice people. Exactly. So. Um, so the whole reason that she mm -hmm. starts explaining this weird, like, her, the weird feelings when other creatures see like look at her is because there is a vampire in the library which this part was kind of funny because she's like going to get this book 
and she thinks that she hears someone and then she's like oh i must be imagining it and then she does a bit of magic and then she's like oh shit someone saw me and you're like you thought you heard someone why didn't you just not do the magic or go look around to see if someone was there <laughs> like clearly yeah. so you're i don't know i was just like that seems like if you're only going to do magic six times a year this seems like a dumb time to do it this is not the right time to start doing your magic yeah so she, she does a little small bit of magic to try and reach a book that was like up on a higher shelf mm -hmm. and then she sees of she feels a vampire watching her and what she like turns around and sees him mm -hmm. and of course he happens to be so beautiful and he's got his broad shoulders with his slender narrow hips and his really muscular legs and he's super tall and it's like <laughs> of course he just has to be like of course the vampire has to be drop dead gorgeous like what other option is there right there's none. It's always that. It's like main trope of vampire. Yeah. You could you I'd be more surprised if like a vampire I'd be more surprised if they had an ugly vampire in something than if they had a vampire that didn't drink blood. Like Yeah. Right. It's it's the main thing about vampires now is that they're beautiful. Yeah. But I will say that this is sort of where we disagree yeah <laughs> on because so in the tv series matthew good the actor plays <laughs> matthew which is convenient so, for him <laughs> yeah it's easy to get his name right anyway um but i don't as much as i like him and i do think he is an attractive man i don't think that his physique fits as well the physique of matthew in the book mm -hmm. like to me show matthew is sort of slender all around tall and tall and slim which is fine yeah, it's yeah. A completely fine way to be but i don't know just like book matthew in my head is more like buff warrior-esque mm -hmm. right which i kind of like i get what you're saying obviously I think that the show fits the description that I saw in my head of what he looks like when reading that. And like, I don't know, he's just never been super my type. So, and like, I, like you said, Matthew Good is obviously gorgeous, but he is, he is scrawny. But I think he was, I think he was pretty good. Yeah, um, but after so after he sees her do the magic, she like gets a bit spooked because she knows that he's a vampire and then she tries to kind of get away ish and has an obvious rom-com moment of falling into his arms like in every Hallmark movie you've ever seen when <laughs> she falls off the stairs and into his arms. And like, I a hundred percent would have just died right there. I would have been like, okay, this is, I can't do this conversation anymore. Cause I am too embarrassed. And I would have just left. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but no, he introduces himself after that. He's perfectly polite. <laughs> he compliments her on her work. That was really boring, but he still read it. <laughs> so yeah, it was nice. And they yeah. had this perfectly normal, meeting and then yep. they 
they just part ways. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the writing in the book is definitely interesting because I think it's the first two chapters are in first person because they're Diana's chapters. And then you get to Matthew's chapter and it's in third person. So he, you don't get a look inside of his head as much as you'd think that you would uh, listening, reading one of his chapters. Yeah. So that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I guess Diana then she fell asleep and then she phoned her aunt and then she fell asleep again. And that's when Matthew breaks into her room. <laughs> Not creepy at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> very, very twilight, like a hundred percent twilight. I was like, <laughs> yeah. there's a few moments in this book that really bring me back to twilight. And this was obviously one of them because. He's just standing there. And at one point he's like, I'd been there for a few hours just standing still. And I'm like, how? I know you're a vampire, but Have that's excessive. Us. Yeah. So he he realizes that apparently around like three. And then she wakes up at like 3.30 with the taste of cloves in her mouth, which Ugh. that saying gets shoved down our mouths a few <laughs> times as well. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, he watches her sleep. Apparently, she lets some nice light and power escape mm -hmm. while she's sleeping. So she doesn't even think she's using magic at all. But we're learning that she used it's coming out involuntarily. It's seeping like out of it. her. Yeah, I like it. But yeah, yeah he, just, he breaks into her house and watches her <laughs> sleep. Yeah, just go through her stuff. You don't need to stare at her. Like, he's yeah. obviously already has an attachment of some sort because he's not... Like, he doesn't just go in and rifle through her stuff looking for the manuscript, which was his original plan. He's yeah. in there and he's just watching her sleep. And you're like, shouldn't, don't you have something better to do? What's even happening now? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, we didn't even mention that, like, after she goes home, well, before she goes home from the library, this magic book, she, she does put it back. Like, she sends it oh. back to the stacks, yes. right? Yeah. Because it's you can't take a library from the you can't take a book from the library that's just you can't like it's she's illegal. A, she is a scholar like she would never yeah so she goes back to the library the next day and apparently the place is packed and she's like oh mm -hmm. what up like even though it's not even class time like the semester hasn't started yet the place is absolutely packed but oh i wonder what that's about it's like yeah come on man you find a magical book one day and then the very next day the place is packed full of not even just regular people like it's full of creatures like she yeah. said there are creatures everywhere yeah so like i don't know i just feel like she's being a bit willfully ignorant we'll say Definitely. I agree. Yeah. And I guess that's when she puts the book back, the library, she can feel it kind of constrict. And then she's like, oh, that's just normal. Let's go on with my day, I guess. It just yeah. seems, <laughs> seems a bit dumb. Yeah. At best. Agreed. We then meet Miriam who is Matthew's right hand so she's sent to sort of watch over Diana at the library while it's covered with creatures for some unknown reason um and you know so Miriam is there Matthew's I don't know if like she works for him I guess in the mm -hmm. lab 
but she's also a vampire uh so she's there to like sort of guard her but not like obviously like she's just sitting at another table sort of just chilling out and then jillian we're back to jillian (laughs) second time we meet her or we she's mentioned in the book and she's staring at diana and i quote malevolently yeah i don't at this point like diana hasn't done anything well other than the book but like really what has she done yeah but that's what i mean there's nothing that she knows she's done Mm -hmm. all she did take out a book realize it looked a bit magic-y it felt magic-y she wasn't comfortable with it so she put the book back exactly she doesn't know the importance of it no one's told her Mm -hmm. she also literally knows nothing about anything witchy because she chose not to know Mm -hmm. so it just bothers me that jillian is being such a raging bitch yes thank you yeah (laughs) yeah and then so this part is like then Miriam follows diana to go to lunch her lunch which is just like i don't know why matthew at this point before he leaves like him and Miriam were at the table together and then he's like, Miriam, you go with her for lunch. Like, why doesn't he just do it? Is he so busy? I just, I don't really understand why he's pissing Miriam off so much. Because <laughs> like, yeah, we should say Miriam is not happy about this. No, she's, she's not very happy. unhappy that she has to be there. Yeah, um, playing like guard dog. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so they well, Diana with Miriam trailing goes to get her lunch and um, she gets a visit at the cafe from a demon named Agatha. Agatha actually does give us a little bit more info on demons. So mm-hmm. they, they can just be born of humans. So like two humans can give birth to a demon. And she made it seem like a lot of them get abandoned for their i guess gifts like because Mm -hmm. they're different a lot of them end up abandoned um and she says she it makes it seem like she wants to know and that demons need to know what their place is in the world yeah yeah it was definitely interesting because she does bring up a point out like while she's talking to her to say that demons used to be looked at as guardian angels and then gods so it makes it seem like they're more than just genius humans. It makes it seem like there's more to them than we know, which we really don't know a lot. So that that would make sense. Yeah, so she's talking to Agatha, and Agatha asks her to make a promise um, that she'll, if she gets the book back, that she'll share it with demons. And Diana is a bit weary about promising And then she's just like, ah, screw it. And says, yeah, I promise. And I'm like, it feels like she should have thought about that more because she has no idea what she's promising. Like, I don't think it really comes back to bite her, but I probably would have been like. But it's also because Agatha is a decent person. Exactly. It just seems like a lot to just promise a random stranger. So, yeah, so I guess she goes back. So she goes back to after lunch to her little area and Matthew has shooed all the creatures away. So it's quiet again, which is nice. Very sweet. 
very sweet. And the end of that chapter, we've got a little quote. It says, it, like, referring to him, sort of, it's like a dark star guiding me home. So, like, she already feels this pull after, like, what, two conversations with him? Yeah. Not even, two days. Not, even, <laughs> not even pleasant ones. Like, <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Kind of the opposite. Yeah. So I also feel like it goes without saying that um, in this world, none of the creatures inherently like each other. Yes. So, like, witches are not supposed to like vampires. Vampires are not supposed to like witches. They don't hang out. They're not friends. Yeah, they they all have their prejudices that are probably, I guess, learned, but against each other, for sure. So, moving on, after she has her nice little, like, time at the library, she goes home, she goes to sleep, she wakes up, then she goes rowing, and Matthew, like, essentially stalks her and row <laughs> what, where she's rowing and invites her to eat, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's, she says yes. And he's pleased about it, and he looks all shy, and it's just weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess. And this is the first time that they talk about her walking with her eyes closed because he scares the shit out of her when uh, when he comes up to her um, right. after she went rowing, and he was like, "I thought you could see me." And she was like, "No, I was walking with my eyes closed. So, like, Obviously. that's a toward normal thing that a person yeah. does. Everybody does it." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they go they go out to breakfast. Yeah, it's lovely. So he takes her in his super fancy car. <laughs> He's opening her door, you know, and then they get to this little like diner. I don't like I know, I don't know, it's a British cafe, I suppose. They don't really have mm-hmm. I don't know if they have diners. And, yeah. you know, obviously she can eat a whole bunch. <laughs> That's a uh... That's a I'm not like other women trope that she is throwing out there. Yeah. Yeah. So they're at the diner and then she starts asking some completely ridiculous questions and he gets irrationally angry about it. And I feel like this is a theme, at least in this book. Um, He gets flashes of angry a lot during this conversation and she calls it frightening at one point. he must chill out at some point because like, if you're afraid of a person, how does a relationship develop? It just seems very intense, especially here. But part of it is her fault. Cause she loves asking really stupid questions. Like <laughs> yeah. some of them are just ridiculous. I think it's the historian, you know, the historian in her is she's so mm. like inquisitive about stuff. And obviously he's sort of naturally secretive, because yeah. he's a vampire and he sort of has to keep secrets about his life. But yeah. I also feel like he's sort of, I find Matthew a really interesting character because he's almost like two completely different people. Mm-hmm. Like we see this chivalrous, knight in chiming armor, like polite scholar. And then all of a sudden we see these like, I guess maybe the vampire part of him, like the anger, the um, possessiveness, the mm-hmm. sort of stalking <laughs> part. Yeah. You know and what it, I mean? Like 
flips on a on a dime yeah. basically where and, he is yeah and they don't really like meld together at all no no they don't so yeah it's probably like part of his human life before and who yeah. he was as a person and also matching that with his vampire yeah yeah 100%. but they do also take the time here to explain her subject matter a bit more the whole mm -hmm. history of science and alchemy so yeah. she talks about it as history because history is sort of a logical beginning middle and end because it already happened mm -hmm. and then the history of science and alchemy is to figure out how humans explain away a world with no magic because she doesn't want magic she doesn't want to be involved in magic so mm -hmm. she's trying to figure out how humans went from there is magic to no there's not yeah so that she can figure out how to do that in her life yeah yeah for sure so yeah so they they then go he invites her to go to a yoga class which also just seems odd for his character yeah it's very it's a very interesting choice of activity that they're just like both very into yeah it just seemed like a lot of people do yoga for sure but it just seemed i don't know out of nowhere but yeah i guess it's it's nice to see a man doing yoga because it's not really a common thing yeah but yeah so it's nice we're seeing their relationship sort of develop they mm -hmm. went for breakfast now they're going to an evening yoga class they drive out to like the country and they go to yoga class and it i thought this was probably one of the funniest scenes in the story is so the yoga class was a special yoga with only creatures so mm -hmm. there are witches there are vampires and there are demons all together they're all doing um yoga they're all the same time. doing yoga together and like the witches are like floating and doing swan dives in the mm -hmm. air and like the vampires are like being super fast and it's just cute to me the yeah demons sure. are demons are super slow it's just hilarious yeah i also really appreciated when the teacher came over to diana and was like this move isn't for you because it definitely was a nice message i guess that not every move is for everybody and like that's okay just don't do this one kind of thing so yeah and yeah. shows like the teacher feeding off of everyone else's feelings which was nice anyway yeah it's a nice scene it was yeah uh she also learns like this big manor house where the yoga <laughs> was put off was actually his home that he built like hundreds of years ago yeah which, of course uh, it is <laughs> yeah. of course he has this gigantic manor house that he like lets the yoga teacher stay at and like teach <laughs> yoga in anyway. yeah um and she says she, that she sort of understands him better after learning that that's his house yeah yeah definitely and like he likes to be in the country because when he's staying near the school he can hear the students all the time and he can there's too yeah. much noise which definitely makes sense if you can hear like a vampire <laughs> yes for sure uh we also hear about now his sister 
Louisa, mm-hmm. who was apparently a big old B word. Yep. Who Definitely. ate people and owned slaves. Sure, like and, the two no's in life, really. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and she ended up being beheaded and chopped into tiny pieces. <laughs> yeah. And Matthew said that she deserved it, which is like, you got to you got to do a lot for some for your brother to think yeah. that you deserve something like that. That seems intense. Yeah, for agrees. sure. But it just sort of shows that like they're sort of becoming more comfortable with each other, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So they are drinking tea together when they're having this conversation and she tells them like don't bother faking it. Like, I know you don't like to drink the tea or you don't need to drink the tea. Mm-hmm. And like a couple of days ago, she didn't even want to like talk to him or look at him. Like when she fell into his arms and <laughs> they had their little meat cute. She like, yeah, raced, she raced out of there. Right. Yeah. Which was literally like two days ago. It's, yeah. yeah it's very developing very quickly, I guess. Yeah. It, and, this whole thing does develop very quickly. Well, yeah. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, she also, I found it kind of interesting that she's very against magic and very against herself being a creature. But she's really into him already. And she's not avoiding him like she is with her magic or with her being a witch. Which she's avoiding that part of herself. But she isn't avoiding him. Which... It's interesting for sure. Yeah. So because it's like a constant reminder that she isn't normal. Exactly. So you think that she'd want to avoid that too, but clearly there's a bigger draw there between the two characters. Yeah. Although it does bother me that during this whole conversation he tells her, like, oh, you can't avoid magic. Like you need to you need to come to terms with your power and like you need to just accept it that it's part of you and blah blah blah. And it's like bitch you don't know her yeah you know what i mean like you've known her for two days you have no idea like why she's pushing the magic mm-hmm. away or like anything <laughs> anything about her really except for what he could find online exactly so and that's it, the thing that does come up like in the first chapter i think is she talks about when she's trying to learn how to do magic she's not good at it and i think that's another reason why she doesn't do it is because she's not good at conventional magic so she kind of and she's used to being good at shit obviously because she went through school really fast so like she's used to picking up things quickly and being good at it and i think that's a reason why she doesn't like magic also the trauma of it too because of her parents but i think that those two things like you can't just tell somebody that they need to do magic and not know anything about them at all other than that they like yoga (laughs) right like he lo- he knows she's really smart. She rows and jogs and likes yoga. Mm-hmm. Like so, that's yeah. not enough, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. So uh, after their tea, they go back to uh, he brings her back home, basically. Yeah, and then uh, then he's out of there. He uh, <laughs> he goes hunting. He goes to a hunting cabin with his friend, who's a demon. Which is definitely interesting that Hamish. It's uh yeah, it's definitely tr- interesting that there's two creatures that are friends there, because um, it's apparently taboo. But yeah, he goes to see Hamish, and Hamish is a sweetheart. 
Although if I was Hamish's boyfriend, I would have been pissed. Yes. Because <laughs> he, he drops everything. He does, yeah. He canceled their their lovely weekend to go mm -hmm. out to the cabin and hunt with Matthew. Even though Hamish is obviously not going to be doing any hunting. Uh, but he knows that Matthew needs to do this. So literally drops everything, heads out to his hunting house out in the country and mm -hmm. matthew meets him there for the for the weekend and of course matthew tells hamish everything about diana like he, pulling teeth though it's <laughs> <laughs> very right? slowly yeah but it does all come out but yeah so he talks about like how she doesn't use magic and she doesn't like that she uses magic and um he doesn't he, he like doesn't understand her yeah which is definitely part of the appeal because he's very old and he's very used to a lot of people so i'm sure he feels like he understands people easily because it's easy to know what people are normally it's not normal that a witch doesn't want her magic she's very different yeah um he also goes hunting but he doesn't actually eat he just hunts a deer and, like tracks it down until it submits and then he just leaves it alone <laughs> yeah it's uh interesting and then he eats soup afterwards because that's what that's what vampires do which is an interesting take i guess that like i i don't think i've read many books or heard many myths where vampires actually eat human food and can tolerate it yeah and i i like that it helps them blend in a bit more right yeah yeah definitely um we also finally this is the point where we learn about this manuscript the ashmole mm -hmm. too and why it's so important yes to matthew specifically because there's feels like to everybody there's a different reason why it's important but he finally gets into what it means to him or what he thinks is in it right which is so, yeah he thinks it is a book explaining like sort of the origin of all creatures um mm -hmm. i think the witches sort of think it's a book of immortality a yeah like a yeah. spell book almost mm -hmm. um but he wants it because he thinks it's a book explaining like how the creatures exist like why they exist yeah. and that's why all the different creatures want it yeah so they all want sort of their origin story they want to know why they're there which is a really like it's a existential very, it's very it's a very existential reason to want a book like well, we want yeah. to understand why we're all here it's like if I heard that there was a book explaining <laughs> the meaning of life, I honestly wouldn't go searching for it. It mm -mm. wouldn't be top of my list. No, for sure. <laughs> but, I mean, again, that's just me. Yeah. Um, Matthew admits, too, that he's craving Diana. And, like, craving, does he want to eat her? Like, does he want to, like, do it? Like... <laughs> what is the cra what's the crave here he he never says what the crave no is. no like they kind of get into the conversation a bit more about hamish starts thinking that oh 
he feels like they're like mating possibly which is an interesting take but like we don't even know if mates are a thing in the book either exactly and i don't know if it means like mating like your one mate that you only get once in a lifetime or if it means that they're just another word for person yeah like for your person exactly your partner yeah yeah but he doesn't want to get too close because in his you know we learned down the line that he is 1500 years old (laughs) uh he killed two women yes and he confesses that he's very upset about it yeah and And hamish is like shook for a second too like he's he's very supportive and he's very like I'm always going to love you, Matthew. But he's also like, I can't believe you never told me about this. And it just seems like he's very old. Two two people is not a lot. And one of them, he didn't even kill. He brought her back as a vampire. She killed herself. Yeah. Because she didn't want to be a vampire. So like, yeah, it is his fault. He should have a bit of guilt. But... We learn later that, like, he's he decides that some people should die because they're criminals. So these two women, he takes really hard. Yeah. And again, not saying that he shouldn't feel bad. I'm not a crazy person. (laughs) I'm not, like, throwing two lives away. I am because it's fictional. But (laughs) in the grand scheme of 1,500 years... He's only killed two people that he's genuinely loved. In all fairness, I would say that's not bad. Yeah. And the second woman, I don't think he really loved. He just kind of had an obsession with her and then followed her home and accidentally drank too much blood, turned her into a vampire. She killed herself. Yeah. Got carried away. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't love. I can see why he's worried. A hundred percent. Like if you do it once, I can see why he's worried that he might kill Diana for sure. But I don't see why he's so repentant of what he did in his, I don't know. It just seems like a long life to live to feel bad for all of it. Yeah, agreed. Like, let it go. If it's been over 100 years, I think you should be able to, like, drop it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And he he confesses his, like, he confesses love out loud. He kind of like, he kind of, I think he goes around it. He kind of basically says that he loves her though. Yeah. It's very wild. It's a wild ride they've been on of less than a week. (laughs) (laughs) Three days in, we're in love. Oh, well, on his end, I'm in love with her. Like, yeah. And he's like very old. So you'd think that he'd be even less into declaring feelings at this point than a mortal would be because a mortal only lives so long but yeah for sure Um, and then we we move on and then we're on (laughs) we're on diana's side again so we go from Mm -hmm. matthew to diana and we finally get like a decent look into her relationship with her aunt sarah who as much as i love as a character she is like pushy as heck and yeah. maybe, maybe that's a job for, you know, her de facto parent. 
like the person that raised her. But I don't but know. She's like in her twenties. She's like a professor. She shouldn't need somebody being this extra and pushy about everything. Yeah. I don't know. Like she gets really mad. Like Diana finally tells her about the whole manuscript problem because mm -hmm. so Emily is Sarah's wife. Emily has like sort of a gift of seeing so she can sort of tell when Diana is upset or when something is wrong, when she's in danger. So Sarah always calls her whenever Emily has weird visions or something. So they yeah. called her up. What's going on? We keep seeing you with this vampire. You need to stay away. Mm -hmm. And then Diana has to sort of say, oh, well, actually, he's sort of protecting me from all these other creatures and they're like well why do you need pr protecting from all the other creatures oh well i kind of found a magic book and I, then i <laughs> put it I, I sort of put it back in the stacks and sarah like <laughs> flips her lid it's yeah. like i thought we taught you you know don't put a magical artifact back like that until you figure out what it is and what it does mm -hmm. yeah i just like you're preaching to a person in their mid-twenties you also know them like why would you I don't know I just feel like if she knows her she's known her since she was obviously born in a small child and raised mm -hmm. her wouldn't she know that that's not the best route tactic yeah yes to take yeah for sure right because Diana gets pissed yeah which right like you would you feel like an adult and then an adult right. yelling at you yeah. like i get it but still yeah it's yeah. maybe not the best route but i get what they're saying and i i think it's also because you needed somebody in the book to say hey this was really dumb why did you do that <laughs> so yeah. why would it you makes sarah seem like a bad person not a bad person but yeah pushy and i will say they did a really good job doing show Sarah like show Sarah is mm -hmm. they do an awesome job she is the same she's super pushy mm -hmm. she's always yelling <laughs> in a good way yeah so no, I really I agree. Like... anyway so their conversation's over she says oh, she's gonna deal with it it's over it's done like mm -hmm. leave me alone sort of thing next day is probably one of my favorite scenes so it's in chapter 10 um diana is studying in the library again and notices that the lower area is packed full of creatures so she goes to um peter knox which is sort of like a head witch warlock wizard i don't know dude yeah. um that she has met uh and says dude like i don't have the book that everybody wants me to have so <laughs> tell all the tell all the witches to like shove off yeah and then she goes to the vampire like people one of the sisters yeah one that she's noticed she's noticed like some vampire girls there all the time she noticed them and went to them and said hey we're starting to draw a crowd. It's starting to like, we're starting to be noticed by the humans because there's so many of us around. Mm -hmm. So like, shove off. Like, I don't have the book. Go away. Yeah. 
And then exactly. there's a demon that's been hanging around that loves lattes and he's like conked out of it all the time. She goes to him and says, dude, I don't have it. Like, <laughs> I don't have the manuscript. Shove off. Tell everybody to clear out. And it just, I love it because it's like she sees a problem and she solves it. So she sees this issue of all these creatures milling about they're going to draw attention from the humans and they can't risk drawing attention. Yeah. So she just feels, she tries to solve the issue herself. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely I like appreciate that. that. Yeah. I appreciate that too. I think it's a, it's a good look on her. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But then we come up and she's <laughs> in the friggin' library and Jillian a third time now comes up to her we haven't seen one nice jillian scene the whole book she's super snotty she's like straight up a bitch in this one though like this one goes a bit too far in my opinion like jillian talking to her and she's like your parents are dead because they were rude and standoffish and she's like, Diana's like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. But yeah, it's just so far past anything that a person would say to another person, I feel like. It just is so wild that she actually says this kind of stuff to her. Yeah, it's like, what I don't understand is, so, or not that I don't understand, but so she comes up and she's like oh your parents were rude they didn't want to be in our coven either but they sure learned and like this is sort of where we get our uh backstory of what happened to her parents so Mm -hmm. they were killed in africa by humans apparently after being discovered as witches but then so that's what diana has has assumed her whole life Their parents went to Africa on a a business trip, were found out by humans, and they were murdered. Yeah. And Jillian responds with, oh no, it wasn't the humans. It was witches that killed your parents. And like, it's just something I don't understand. You want something (laughs) from this person a book yeah. that no one else has been able to find, that no one else can seem to get, that she is the only one who has seen and felt. Mm-hmm. And that's how you think you're going to get it? Yeah. It's wild. It's like... It doesn't make any sense. To be nice. Try, yeah. like, try being a friend. Like, they're sort of... I just it feels like they're, like pushing diana to matthew almost yeah right like oh exactly yeah he's the only one who's been nice to her and actually like being a friend like Mm -hmm. what what do they think is gonna happen yeah it's really kind of (laughs) wild so she hightails it out of there because she's like very triggered by talk about her parents which makes sense um it's a traumatizing thing that she went through as a kid so she leaves immediately and she ends up back at her room and she has a letter from the was it the dean somebody 
Yes, I think it's the like the dean or the vice dean inviting her to like a tea or some weird have a drink, <laughs> something. Yeah. So she, yeah, so she feels like she can't refuse. Yeah, and she's very grateful that they've let her into yeah. the university to study what she's studying and stuff. So she pulls it together and she goes. And who is there but <laughs> Peter Knox? Of course. He's just so, everywhere nowadays. Yeah. So, again, Peter Knox was in the library hanging out. He did approach Diana once before, but it was sort of like a really minor event. Mm-hmm. And now he's spelled the dean to, like, leave the room and not come back until they finish having their private conversation. And yeah. he's just he's just not a nice person. So, like, we have Jillian being a jerk. And she's mm-hmm. a witch. Then we have Peter Knox here calling Matthew that creature and suggesting that, like, she's essentially disrespecting her family just by being in his in Matthew's presence. Yeah. Right? He's just, like, again, I don't understand how you can think that this is the appropriate way to get something from somebody. Yeah, and it's not even, like... I know that at some points they're kind of trying to intimidate her, but that's not even what it really feels like anymore. It just feels like they're just being nasty. Yes. Which, like, I don't know. It, it It's like they've never... I feel like Peter Knox has never met a witch that hasn't been all about him, basically. <laughs> like, he just feels like every witch should want to do what all witches want to do and diana's this anomaly because she doesn't want to be a witch and she doesn't want to hate all the other creatures and this is a new thing for him so i think he just doesn't really understand the situation but it really doesn't make sense that they're all just being idiots about it really yeah uh but yeah, so she obviously it responds sort of in kind, like she's not nice to him back. She tells mm-hmm. him like, dude, I told you before, I don't have the book and, you know, you're being a jerk, essentially, and tells him yeah. like he's being a bigot and a jerk. And mm-hmm. she leaves the meeting. And then we, the next day, of course, she goes back to the library again. And mm-hmm. Matthew is there again well yeah she calls him after the meeting with Knox because she's like he's getting in her head and stuff and she's like he's being he is intimidating he's threatening her so she calls Matthew and leaves a message because he doesn't answer so then he does show up the next day right because he was out hunting yes then he comes back and he's hecka mad yeah which is sort of like it's one of those things where I like that he like comes back and he's mad and he's ready to adventure. It's like sort of cute that way, but it's also like sort of a foreshadow of how possessive. over yes, overly yeah. protective and possessive he is. It's like it's literally been like four or five days. <laughs> and and two of them he was gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're already 
Like he's already like storming into the library because somebody hurt her feelings. Yeah, it's just <laughs> no, it's just funny. But at yeah. the same time, it, like it it is it pulls at me that like romantic side, mm-hmm. but then that feminist side is like, oh no, you don't. Like she can like handle if that, herself. If it actually happened in real life, you'd be like, um. I just wanted a text back, sir. I didn't need you to come storming into the library. Thanks, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But So they, yeah, they go to yoga again after that. Um, and when she leaves yoga, she feels like there's an owl about to attack her. Which is and, just weird. Yeah. It's a bit of an odd... Thing to attack somebody it's and, daytime <laughs> and we never hear from this owl again it's not a threat no it's not <laughs> and but it's like her last straw and then she like starts to have a panic attack for reals in the backseat of the car and he helps her through it basically even though it's kind of interesting that her big thing is that she has panic attacks when she doesn't work out enough. She just finishes a workout and then has a panic attack. I'm like, this doesn't it seems like some mixed messaging here, but, but I like, guess. Would you call yoga a workout? Mm, yeah, not really. Like it's, it's more relaxing. It's very gentle ex- exercise, right? So Yeah. So yeah, yeah, so it turns out she mentions that she has what an excess of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. That's and the first happens. time that she talks to him about it, right? Yeah. So the doctors say, "Well, you need to work out lots to get rid of that excess adrenaline." So that's why she goes rowing every morning or jogging or whatever mm-hmm. she does. Yeah, and uh, and then I guess she appreciates him like helping her out because she invites him to dinner. Yeah. That's where the chapters, chapter 11 ends with her asking him on a dinner date and which is kind of funny because I I don't know if she knows much about vampires, but I would just assume that they didn't eat. And if I asked a vampire to dinner, it would be like dinner on myself. (laughs) See, my immediate like go to would be, hey, here's like some lamb's blood or like like i would find some liquid blood i wouldn't think yeah well i gotta cook him dinner now because he says oh i'm omnivorous like yeah i would just go buy pick up some blood exactly or like you can buy parts of animals i don't really eat a lot of meat but like you can buy like a half a cow or something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from farmers, from butchers, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I want to lay half the cow on his plate and say, <laughs> no. like, break out your fangs and on this. Like, well, yeah, you could. <laughs> but <laughs> I was thinking more get the blood out of it yourself and then give it to him. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> but also, <laughs> either works, you know. But yeah. Definitely interesting, well, interesting choice. Well, we're gonna find out <laughs> next time what she makes for him, whether it's half a cow 
or not some lamb's blood (laughs) blood we'll see we'll see what she makes for him next time well that wraps it up for this week if you want to get in touch with us and share your thoughts on anything you heard in our episode or have any book suggestions you can email us at coffeeandcoread at gmail.com and be sure to check us out on twitter and instagram at coffeeandcoread that's C-O-F-F-E-E-A-N-D-C-O-R-E-A-D. Next week, we'll be reading through chapters 12 to 23 of Discovery of Witches, so make sure to follow along. And if you're enjoying our little chats, don't forget to follow, rate, and review wherever you find content. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you on the next page.